شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So welcome to the half-term program So this is probably the first session And then we'll have Thursday and Friday and Saturday بإذن الله تعالى The title of this lecture is The Importance of Following the Salafi Manhaj and I want you to take notes, inshallah. The norm is that people don't take notes for lectures. Lakin, if you take notes, then you'll remember what was being said. Otherwise, by the time you, or tomorrow, you will forget what was being said this evening. So make sure, inshallah, that you're taking note. First and foremost, the reason for choosing this title, or the re- reason for choosing this lecture, and there are about five or six reasons. Number one, that amongst our community, first and foremost, it's always good to uh, remind one another, as Allah says, to remind one another about the importance of following the Salafi methodology, uh, the Salafi methodology which we'll get into, inshallah. Secondly, there are those people in our community who are uh, confusing the Shabab and telling them that the aqaid or the beliefs or the schools of thoughts in terms of belief, not in terms of fiqh, like in terms of belief, are of three. And they say to them, they are the Ahlul Hadith, uh, those people associated with Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal and Imam Shafi'i and so on, and Imam Malik. And then they are the Ashairah, and then they are also the Maturidiyah. So they tell the Shabab and those people that don't have knowledge of the Salafi methodology that Islam has three schools of thought in terms of aqidah. In terms of fiqh, we all know that they have how many, our religion has how many schools of thought in fiqh? Four. The madhab of the, Shafi'i, the, the, Hana, the Hanafiya, the Malikiya, and the Shafi'iya, and the Hanabila. In that order, uh, uh, in the order of, chronological order of the, uh, the passing away of these great imams. That is musallam, it is something which is known and acknowledged and accepted. Lakin, there are those that say that it's the aqidah of the Muslims, the belief of the Muslims are of three types. The Ashairah, the Ahlul Hadith, and the Maturidiyah. And this is batil, this is false. Because by saying that, we're making the belief of those that came after the three generations, after the companions and the followers of the companions, we're making their belief equal to the belief of who? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali, and the rest of the Sahaba. Because these... This Imam Abu Hassan al rahimahullah, who later on came up, came back to the Haq, him and the uh, the Abu Mansur al they were way, way after the Messenger sallallahu after the companions, and after the followers of the companions. So how can we say that their school of thought in terms of aqidah and belief is the same as the aqidah of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or is also correct? So that's number one. Also, there are those that confuse the Shabab by telling them you can go to different groups such as. Jama'at al-Tabliq and go around uh, doing tawaf around the earth, 
three days, 40 days, however many days, and it's only a wasila, and it's only a way of you remembering Allah, when in reality this group itself was only around in the last 80, 90 years. The same goes for the other jama'at al-ikhwan muslimin that they try justifying. Then there are those on the other extreme that confuse the shabab and say, you're either with us or you're, without, you're against us, where they have a cult mentality, as if you're in some sort of cult, mafia cult, where you're either with me or against me. And then they make it uh, wajib upon or compulsory upon every one of the Salafis, every Salafi all around the world, to take the rulings of one or two different shaykh, one or two different shaykhs. Their rulings on other individuals, you have to accept that. So they will sit with the shabab and say, we will work with you, but you have to take the rulings of a shaykh fulani, a certain individual, a certain shaykh, he could be a alim from the ulama of Ahl Sunnah, lacking to say only his rulings can be implemented and no other rulings can be implemented. And that is false. The third or fourth reason is the fact that a lot of the youngsters are being diverted away from seeking beneficial knowledge, attending classes taught by the students of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Alhamdulillah, in London and in the UK in general, there are many students of knowledge upon Salafiyya, upon the Sunnah that are teaching the books of the Sunnah whether in Aqeedah, whether in Fiqh, whether in Usul al-Fiqh, whether in Mustalah Hadith different sciences, walillah alhamd and this is probably the only country in the Western world that you will find that in abundance so you will find however people saying confusing the Shabab and scaring them and threatening them saying if you go to this class we're going to boycott you to the extent that they look, they spy on them and they check the, the, the people that they follow on social media. And if they find you following someone that they're not upon, that they're not with, then you're getting kicked out of the circle. And you will find a lot of the shabab, they're confused. They want to go to classes like in they're scared that people are going to boycott them. So that's what? Ideological terrorism. The fifth reason or the sixth reason is you find people who give fatawa to the shabab, people who are not qualified to give fatwa about tahara, purification, and salah, and zakah. They're not qualified to teach about these, talk about these things and give fatawa, but they give fatawa to the shabab on who they can marry and who they can't marry. And they say to the shabab, if you, uh, if a certain person proposes to you and he doesn't take this person to be a mubtadi' or this person to be a hizbi or an innovator, then don't marry him. And this is in contradiction to the fiqh Islam, let alone anything else. You won't find these conditions in the book of fiqh. Furthermore, if you were to ask Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafidahullah, Sheikh Salih, Abdul Muhsin al-Abad, Hafidahullah, Sheikh Salih al-Sahimi, Sheikh Salih al-Haydan, Rahimahullah, these great imams of our era, these heavyweights, if you were to ask them about issues to do with nikah and talaq, they would say, La, it's not for us. Go to the mahkamah. Go to the Islamic court. And this is the tagbiyah that they've nurtured their students upon. But these other individuals are not people who are upon their tagbiyah. They're cultivating and they're nurturing. So they give the shabab fatawa to say, La, you can't marry him because he doesn't uh, attend certain classes or he doesn't declare a certain sheikh, a certain 
Imam al-Shaykh or so on to be an innovator. And this is clearly in contradiction to the teachings of the Salaf. This is not something, even amongst the contemporary scholars, this is not something that Ibn Baz wasn't, it was no, normal with him. No Albani, no Ibn Uthaymi, no Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, no Sheikh al-Wadi'i, So these are just some of the reasons. And then there are also those who are upon the Khawarij mentality, who believe that ISIS and Daesh and these Al-Qaeda and these people are upon Haq and they're Mujahidun, yet they say that they are Ahl Sunnah and they are Salafiyun, when in reality their foundations contradict the foundations and the teachings of Islam. So that is the reason why this lecture has been chosen. Secondly, the title of the lecture is The Importance of Following the Salafi Methodology. So we need to know two things, Salafi and Methodology. And then put together, we need to know. Salafi means in law, in linguistically, it's something that has preceded, something that has happened in the past. As Allah says about Fir'aun. So linguistically, Salafi is something that has preceded. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to Fatima radiallahu anha, he said, Ni'ma salafu ana laki, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What a good salaf I am for you. Yani linguistically, because the Prophet وسلم, said this when he was about to pass away. And he was preceding Fatima radiallahu anha. As for the sharia, the terminology, it is the understanding of the companions of the Messenger وسلم, and the tabi'un and the atba'u tabi'in, those that followed them. The understanding of the first three generations of this ummah. To understand the Qur'an and the Sunnah according to the understanding of the companions. And at the head of them, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, Uthman radiallahu anhu, Ali radiallahu anhu, the Ashratul Mubashirin, the ten that were promised paradise, Ashabul Badr radiallahu anhu, and all of the Sahaba, Ridwanullah ta'ala alayhim. All of the Sahaba, Ridwanullah ta'ala alayhim. Their understanding. Then those that came after them, then those that came after them. Then those that came after them. These three generations are called the Salafus Salih. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam praised them and he said, The best of the nations are those people that are my generation. Those people that I've been raised upon. Then those that come after them. Then those that come after them. And that is narrated by Bukhari and Muslim. So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam praised these great individuals. طيب. And it's very important to add this understanding, to have this understanding. And we shall see the virtues. So firstly, we shall see a ta'rif or definition, and that's what we're going through now. Then we shall see the verses that praise these great imams and these great nations. Then we shall see some of the foundations of this ummah the foundations of Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah then we shall look at some issues pertaining to this topic طيب. so the Salaf al-Salih when we're understanding the Quran and the Sunnah it's important to understand it according to their understanding it's not enough for you to say I'm going to understand the Quran and the Sunnah best I'm taking directly from the Quran and the Sunnah yes we take directly from the Quran and the Sunnah however upon the understanding upon the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih why is that? Because they were around during the time of the Messenger. Write these down, inshallah. Why do we understand 
the Quran and the Sunnah, why do we understand the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf, the understanding of the Sahaba, those that came after them and those that came after them? The Salaf al Salih are those three generations. So number one, they, these great companions, they witnessed the revelation coming down upon the Messenger wasallam. First and foremost, they witnessed, they were there when the revelation were coming down upon the, when the revelation was coming down upon the Messenger wasallam. And they witnessed the events that occurred in the life of the Prophet wasallam. And they knew the reason that many, many verses, if not all of the verses, the reason why they came down. The situation, the scenario. Because they witnessed it. And a simple example is, us that are now in the masjid, if something happens in the masjid, we know what will ha- what happens. In, we, we will see it. We're able to see it. So we know exactly how things happen. Like when we go outside and we tell others, are they going to have the same understanding of what occurred as we do? No. Why not? Because they were not in the masjid when it occurred. So the companions, may Allah have mercy upon every single one of them, they witnessed the revelation coming down upon the Messenger They knew the events that were happening in the time of the Messenger They knew the reason why the verses of the Quran were being revealed. They knew the reason why the Messenger said what he said in the Hadith. That's number one. Number two, the companions of the Messenger had consensus and they did not differ over the foundations of Islam. The companions did not differ in aqidah. The companions did not differ in aqidah. And they were upon consensus, ijma' with the, of the foundations of Ahl-Sunnah or the foundations of the Sharia. And even when it came to evidencing, what is evidence? They knew or amongst them, evidence was what? The Qur'an of Allah and the Sunnah of the Messenger That was what they used as evidence. That's why Abdullah ibn Abbas, when it came to Hajj and he was given a fatwa on a certain issue, the people that he was given a fatwa to, they said, yeah, but Abu Bakr said and Umar said. Who? Abu Bakr and Umar. The two most noble people after the crea- of the creation of Allah Jalla wa'ala after the Anbiya, the Prophets. Abu Bakr and Umar, al-Shaykhan, the two shaykhs that the Messenger sallallahu commanded us to follow. Abdullah ibn Abbas said what? I fear that stones will come down upon you. Stones of clay will come down upon you. I say the Rasul said, the Messenger said, and you're telling me Abu Bakr and Umar said. So the companions, they knew what was evidence. Like when you look at the later generations, such as the Ashairah, the Maturudiyah, the Khawarij, the Mu'tazila, these groups, the Qadariyah, these deviant sects that appeared in the later generations, 
you will find that they give their aql, their intellect, precedence over the Quran. Precedence over the sunnah of the Messenger. So if they come across a hadith, they will say, What? La, we can't take that hadith because it contradicts the aql. Mathalan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Messenger told us that Allah descends to lowest heaven every night, the last third of the night, and He says to His servants, Who wants that I shall give? Who wants forgiveness that I shall forgive? The person with a normal fitr, a state of mind will say, Alhamdulillah, I'm going to wake up in the last third of the night. The Ash'agi though, the, the Maturudi and these deviant sects, they will say, La, La, Allah doesn't descend. It's the mercy of Allah that descends. Why? Because logically we can't. We can't understand it. So this is the, why we follow the companions. Thirdly, amongst the companions, there was not a single innovator. There was not a single innovator. Every single one of them was upon goodness. Not a single one of them invented anything into the religion. Rather, they refuted those who invented things into the religion of Islam, as we shall see. Abdullah ibn Abbas and Ibn Mas'ud debating Ahlul Ahwa, the people of desires. طيب. On this note, the last point is the Salafi methodology, the Salafi manhaj is al-Islam. The Salafi manhaj is the sunnah. There's no contradiction. So whether you say, I am upon the correct Islam, or whether you say, I am upon the sunnah, or whether you say, I am upon the manhaj of the Salaf, or whether you say, I am upon Salafiyya, it's one and the same. Just like a person can be a father and he can be Abu Abdullah and he could be named Muhammad he could be a son he could be a grandfather all at the same time right a person can be these attributes at the same time likewise Islam as-sahih the correct Islam is as-salafiyya as-salafiyya is the sunnah the sunnah is Islam that is the correct Islam Although these names are different, like in the meaning and what is being talked about is exactly the same. Imam al-Baghbahagi he said in his kitab, Sharh al-Sunnah, he says, I'lam anna al-Islam huwa sunnah No, and Imam, he died in the 4th century, and he was from the students of Imam Ahmad, or the students of the students of Imam Ahmad, he was from the Salaf. He said, I'lam anna al-Islam huwa sunnah Very well know that Islam is the Sunnah. And know that the Sunnah is Islam, meaning one and the same. And one of them will not be correct and upright except with the other. So the Quran and the Sunnah, Islam and the Sunnah are the same. That's why evidencing for the Ahl Sunnah is the Quran and the Sunnah. Then we shall move on to text from the Quran, the Sunnah, and the companions and the Salaf showing the virtue of these great nations, or this great, these three great nations, the Salaf or Salih. First and foremost, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "وَمَنْ يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَبِعْ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ غَيْرَ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُصْلِهِ جَهَنَّمُ سَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily whoever opposes the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, after the guidance has been made clear to him, and he follows, this is the point of evidence, the Mahal al-Shahid, and he follows other than a way other than the believers, he follows a way other than the way of the believers, then nuwallihi ma tawalla wa nuslihi jahan. For him is that which he diverted with. He will be left with that which he turned away to. And he will be, for him is a severe punishment. Allah says, that so, the, this verse is in Surah An-Nisa, verse 117. So who are the mu'mineen? Who were the mu'minun during the time of the messenger? When this verse was being revealed, who were the believers? The sahaba. The companions of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa were the ones that were around during the, when this verse was being revealed. So Allah made it wajib in this verse to follow their way. Not only did Allah make it wajib to follow these companions, Ridwanullah alayhim, lakin there's a severe threat and punishment promised for the person that opposes them. Allah threatened a great punishment those who threaten those who oppose the way of the Sahaba with a great punishment. Also, Allah Jalla wa Ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 137, If they believe in the like of how you believe, if they believe the way you believe, that which you believe in, if they also believe in and they have the same iman as you, Verily they are guided. So Allah says that if we believe in who? If we believe the same iman as the companions and we believe in what they believed in, then we will also be guided. What do we understand from that? If we don't believe how they were, if how they believed, we will be what? Misguided. By following them, we will be guided. The opposite is what? That we will be misguided if we leave them, uh, leave their understanding alone. So the haq, the truth, is that which the companions were upon. And anyone that follows that truth will also be guided, just like the companions of Allah Ta'ala alayhim were guided. So anyone that says, I'm going to follow a group that appeared 300, 400 years after the Messenger وسلم, that contradicts everything that the Sunnah stands upon, then that person won't be guided. Why won't they be guided? Because they've left off the understanding of the Sahaba. Because when it comes to the Quran and the Sunnah, anyone can interpret it in the way that suits their desires. Ar-Rahman ala al-Arshi madha? Stawa. The Ash'ari will tell you stawla. Tayyip stawla, where did that come from? Did the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say that? Did Allah jalla wa ala say that in, a, in, a, in the Quran? La. Did Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali and the rest of the companions, did they believe this? La. Tayyip, where have you come invented this belief from then? And this word? Tayyip. Allah jalla wa ala also says, وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُمْ بِإِحْسَانٍ رضي الله عنهم ورضوا عنه وأعد لهم جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار. Allah says verily 
those that were first and foremost in embracing Islam, they were the first and foremost. As soon as the Messenger وسلم, came with his message, they immediately accepted it. The Muhajirun and the Ansar, those that migrated from Mecca and the helpers that helped the migra- those that migrated, the Ansar from Medina. What is for them? Those that followed them in ihsan, in goodness. It is exactly the same as the previous verse. If we believe in what they believed in and how they believed, then we will be guided. Likewise, if we believe how they believed and we follow their guidance, Allah Jalla wa Ala says, Allah is pleased with them. And they are pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah jalla wa ala has prepared for them gardens under which rivers run under. That is, the companions that are being talked about, that are being praised in this verse. So the Muslimun are of three. The Muhajirun that migrated. The Ansar that, will live, that lived in Medina that helped the Muhajirun. And thirdly, those who followed them in guidance. As Allah said, وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا غَفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانَنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَ بِالْإِيمَانِ In Surah Hashr, Allah Jalla wa Ala talks about the Muhajirun and the Ansar. And then, those that followed them in goodness. So the Muslims are of these three. Anyone that opposes that is not from amongst the people who are following the Sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's right from the second page, the last two verses on the second page and the first ver- the first verse on the third page, if some of the brothers can give you the number. طيب. Also, the Messenger وسلم, so that's with regards to the Quran. I've only mentioned three, but there are many, many verses in the Quran. Habib, go on, go on. Yeah, uh, one of the brothers looking to Surah Hashar. 9, 10, and 11. 9, 10, and 11. Surah Hashar. 117. La, la, there's, there's Baqarah 137, and there's Nisa 117. Yeah, Baqarah was the second verse. 137. The first one was 117. Tayyip. That's with regards to the Quran. Let's look into the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and don't get confused, don't get lost. What are we looking for? Evidence from the Sunnah proving the virtue of the companions and the Salaf al-Salih. The Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam knew that there was going to be a lot of khilaf in this Ummah. He knew there was going to be a lot of khilaf in this Ummah, and every sect and every group would. Interpret the Quran and the Sunnah how they wanted. So every group is going to interpret the Quran how they wanted. So they're obviously going to be differing in their understanding because our understanding differs as human beings. My understanding is different to your understanding. Your understanding is different to the understanding of the brother sitting next to you. If that's us in one small room, imagine the whole ummah. So what did the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? He said, he said in authentic hadith, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the hadith of Iqbal, narrated by Abu Dawud and Tirmidhi, rahmatullahi alayhi wa 
He says, Sallallahu Alaihi And he said this after, this was a wasiyah. And a wasiyah is the advice that a person gives when he's close to death. Or the, an important piece of advice that a person gives. That's what a wasiyah is. For Ausina, Ya Rasulullah, they said. So he gave them a mu'idah, an admonishment. And he said to them, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِشْ مِنْكُمْ So he said, عَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي وَسُنَّةُ الْخُلَفَاءِ الْعَشْنِ Or just before that, he said, فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِشْ مِنْكُمْ فَسَيَرْخْتِلَافٍ كَثِيرًا Verily, those that live long amongst you will see much differing. وَإِيَّاكُمْ مُمْحْتَثَاتِ الْأُمُورِ And be aware, beware of the newly invented matters. فَإِنَّهَا ضَلَالَةٍ and whoever witnesses this amongst you, فَعَلَيْهِ بِسُنَّتِي And upon him is my sunnah. In another narration, عَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي Upon you is my, my sunnah. The sunnah of the Prophet وَالسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِينَ And the sunnah of the Khulafa'i Rashidin, And the sunnah of the leaders of the Muslims, the rightly guided caliphs, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, Uthman radiallahu anhu, and Ali radiallahu anhu. He said, upon you is their sunnah. So he didn't only say my sunnah, he said what? The sunnah of the companions as well. Because he knew that these are rightly guided ulama. They're righteous people that can be followed. And he said, follow those two that came after me. Who? Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah. And how many times did the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam say, "Zahaba ana wa Umar wa Abu Bakr jitu ana wa Umar wa Abu Bakr jitu ana wa Abu Bakr wa Umar"? How many times? Many times you will hear the Prophet, Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying this. So here we have the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanding us to follow their guidance. The fifth evidence, and the second from the Sunnah, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "If taqatil Yahudu ala ihda wa sabiina firqa." The Jews, they differed and split into 71 sects. And the Jews, the Christians, they split into 72 sects. And this Ummah will split into 73. All of them will be in the fire except for one. Upon hearing this, the companions were scared. And they were worried and concerned, and rightly so. Because those that are entering the fire, promised the fire, are more, way more than those that are the saved ones. Man here, Ya Rasulullah, they said, who are they? These people that are saved, this, individual, this group that are saved, what are they? And who are they? The Messenger said, Ma ana alayhi wa ashabi, That which I am upon and my companions. In another narration, مَا كَانَ عَلَى مِثْلِ مَا أَنَا عَلَيْهِ وَأَصْحَابِي The one that is upon, that which I'm upon and what my companions are upon. And this authentic hadith. So look how the Messenger wasallam said that 72 are in the fire and only one will be saved. He didn't stop there, he said the one that will be saved are those that are upon what he's upon, the Messenger wasallam, and what his companions are upon. It doesn't mean there are two paths. There are, there's one path. Because the path of the companions is exactly the same as the path of the Messenger 
That's why the Messenger said, with regards to the verse of Allah says, Upon this verse, the Messenger interpreted this verse. He drew a long line, a long line, a long straight line. And he said, This is my straight path, so follow it. Then he drew a line on the left of that straight line and on the right side of that straight line. Lines. And then he said that there is not a dariq, a path, except there's a shaytan yad'u layha. There's a shaytan at the head of these paths that is calling to it. Like in he said, like the verse said, this is my straight path so follow it so that straight path is the path of the Prophet وسلم, the path of Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali and the rest of the companions and the Salaf Salih the righteous predecessors those that preceded us in goodness and those that followed the companions of the Messenger those that followed the Prophet and the companions of the Messenger the fourth hadith or the third hadith and the what fifth evidence or sixth evidence? That hadith is hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu narrated by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad. And he interprets sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the verse. Then the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in another hadith, the hadith of Mu'ad radiallahu anhu, who Imam, Imam al-Bani declared to be authentic. Innaha satakunu fitanun. Verily, there will be fitan. There will be trials and tribulations and problems in this ummah. The companions said, because they were people who always, want, always wanted the correct path and to be saved and guided, they said, كَيْفَ نَصْنَعُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ كَيْفَ لَنَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ What should we do? If this happens, what should we do? طيب. أو كيف نصنع يعني What should we do? He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you will return to your first affair, first Amr. You will return to your first affair and the first belief, which was what? The belief of the Messenger and that of the companions. That is the only way that this Ummah can be united. Lakin, if we say we're going to follow an Imam. A Muslim scholar, a, a mufakir, a thinker that appeared in the 4th and the 5th century. Is that the guidance of the companions? No. If we find someone that contradicts their guidance and we say we're going to follow him, then the companions have taken one path and that individual has taken one path. And we've chosen to follow that one path. So indulging in a bid'ah or follow, inventing a bid'ah or following a bid'ah is in contradiction to the guidance of the Messenger وسلم, and the companions. And you can implement that across the board. If, you, if I give you a simple example, celebrating the Mawlid, the birthday of the Prophet It was invented in the 5th century. Some say the 4th century. It was invented in يعني, 400, 500 years after the death of the Prophet is that the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Of course it's not the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu If it was good, 
we would not have preceded the companions and the messenger sallallahu If we say the mawlid is something that is good that you're doing to get closer to Allah, in reality what that means if, is that we found a way that Muhammad sallallahu didn't know. That Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali did not know. Alhamdulillah, we've succeeded in finding a new ibadah that the Prophet didn't know of. Know of. Is that possible? Can we be more guided than the than the messenger? Can we be more guided than the companions? La. That shows that celebrating the birthday of the Prophet is not something that he did, nor did the companions. Therefore, it is a bid'ah and an innovation. So to say it's only getting close to Allah, la. We only get close to Allah by following the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What is otherwise? What is the meaning of Muhammadun Rasulullah? How can you say Muhammadun Rasulullah in your shahada and then follow, follow a methodology that was that started 500 or 400 years after the death of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam? So now we've looked at the virtues of the Salaf from the Quran and the Sunnah. Let's look at just some of the narrations from the Salaf, from the Sahaba themselves. And they are many. And I want you to write this down. Bi'idhnillah. The first narration. All of you know who the Khawarij were. They were those who fought the companions, right? They were those who said that the companions are kuffar, they're non-Muslims, they're muqtadun, they've left the religion of Islam. So they said Ali and the rest of the companions have left the fold of Islam. And they gathered in a place called Harura and other locations and there was many of them. So they were fighting the companions of the Messenger wasallam. Obviously we know that if they fought the companions then they're upon what? Misguidance or guidance? Misguidance obviously. Having said that they gathered in a certain location. Ali radiallahu anhu was the Khalifa of the Muslims he sent... Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, who was the, from the scholars, from the most knowledgeable of the companions, to Juman al-Quran, the interpreter of the Quran. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made dua for him. That Allah gives him understanding of the Quran. So Ali radiallahu anhu, he sent him, radiallahu anhu, he sent Abdullah ibn Abbas. And Abdullah ibn, Abdullah ibn Abbas went to debate with them. He was a alim. What I want you to do now is to pay attention to the words of Abdullah ibn Abbas and the understanding of Abdullah ibn Abbas of Islam. His understanding of Islam. His understanding of the truth. So he went to them, dressed beautifully, and he went to debate with them. And he said to them, from the things that he said to them, it was, he said was, I've come to you from the companions of the Messenger. I've come from who? The companions of the Messenger. Al Muhajirin wal Ansar. And from, I've come from the son or the, uh, the, the, the son of the uncle of the Messenger, meaning Ali ibn Abi Talib, because Ali was the cousin of the Messenger. He said, I've come from the companions and I've come from Ali. And Ali was from the companions, but he was emphasizing on Ali because Ali was the Khalifa. And he was the one that they said is a kafir. And his sihir, his brother-in-law, his son-in-law, he was married to Fatima. 
He gave them these three words. وَعَلَيْهِمْ نَزَلَ الْقُرْآنِ And upon them, the Qur'an was revealed. I want you to write this down. This is proof for understanding the Islam according to understanding the companions. He said, وَعَلَيْهِمْ نَزَلَ الْقُرْآنِ And upon them, the Qur'an was revealed. فَهُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِتَأْوِيلِهِ مِنْكُمْ They are more knowledgeable of the interpretation of the Qur'an than you. Who's more knowledgeable? The Khawarij or the companions of the Prophet The companions. طيب. So they're more knowledgeable of the Qur'an of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they witnessed the revelation coming down upon the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Then he said to them radiallahu anhu and this is the one that broke them totally وَلَيْسَ فِيكُمْ مِنْهُمْ أَحَد And there is not one of them not one of them is a part, is amongst you. These companions that I have come from, I've left in Medina also, not one of them is amongst you. What did Abdullah ibn, Mas- Abdullah ibn Abbas do? He used as proof that there was not a single companion in your ranks. Therefore, you are upon misguidance. Therefore, you are upon, mis- upon misguidance. So he used as evidence the understanding of the companions of Islam. Another narration, this time by Abdullah ibn Abba, uh, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, who was also from the scholars of and the most knowledgeable of the Quran amongst the companions of Allah Ta'ala alayhim ajma'in. Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, who was a companion, a knowledgeable companion himself saw or came to the masjid in the early hours of the morning, maybe just before Fajr, and he saw a group of people sitting in a circle. And one of them was sitting in the middle saying, Hallilu mi'a, kabbiru mi'a, sabbihu mi'a. And he was telling the others, say Allahu Akbar, say la ilaha illallah, say subhanallah. And they were all repeating after him. He was saying, say it a hundred times, and they were also repeating after him. So he found this kind of strange because it's not something he's seen from the Prophet nor was it something that he has seen the companions doing. But there were more senior companions than him. So he went to Abdullah ibn Mas'ud and he informed him what had happened. Then Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu he went to them and he covered himself up and he went to them. He covered his mouth up so they can't notice him and see who he is. And he listened to what they were saying and after seeing what, he, what they were doing, he said, what are you doing? And they said, we're only doing khayr, we're only remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now listen to the words of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud to show you they are exactly the same words as Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. He said, فَعُدُّ سَيَّاتِكُمْ Count your sins. Count your sins. Don't bother counting your deeds, righteous deeds in this manner. فَأَنَا ضَامِنٌ أَلَّا يَضِيعَ مِنْهَا وَمِنْ حَسَنَاتِكُمْ شَيْءٌ For I guarantee you that none of your good deeds will be lost in vain. So the way you're doing it now, leave it off. And your, your good deeds will be counted for you. Like can count your evil deeds, your sins. So you can repent from them. Like he said, وَيْحَكُمْ يَا أُمَّةَ مُحَمَّدٍ Woe unto you the nation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. مَا أَسْرَعَهَ لَكَتَكُمْ هَأُولَاءِ أَصْحَابُهُ مُتَوَافِرُونَ How hasty you are into your destruction. هَأُولَاءِ أَصْحَابُهُ 
Muhammadin. These are the companions of the Messenger They are present. They are amongst you. They haven't passed away. What does that mean? It means follow their guidance. They're amongst you. They're here. And they're not only here. They're mutawafirun. They're a lot. They're plenty in number. So what does that mean? Then follow their guidance. وَهَذِهِ ثِيَابُهُ لَمْ And these are his thiyab. These are the clothing of the Prophet wasallam. And they have not worn out. Meaning some of the companions, meaning the Prophet wasallam recently passed away. Not many years ago. طيب. وَعَنِيَتُهُ لَمْ And his vessels and the, the, the equipment that he used in his house have not yet broken. وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَدِهِ And I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's one of two. إِنَّكُمْ لَعَلَى مِلَّةٍ أَهْدَى مِنْ مِلَّةِ مُحَمَّدٍ Verily, either. It's one of two. Either you are upon a guidance better than the guidance of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Is this possible? La. What is the second possibility? Or verily you are opening a door of misguidance. One of two. Either you are opening a door of misguidance, meaning this is a bid'ah, or you are upon the guidance of the messenger, a better guidance than the guidance of the messenger. They knew they weren't upon a guidance better than the guidance of the messenger. They said, Ya Abdurrahman, Ma'aradana illal khayr. We didn't want anything but goodness. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi And how many people want good? Lakin do not achieve it. So that is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. What was he preventing them from doing? Saying, Astaghfirullah subhanallah, walhamdulillah, la ilaha illallah. Lakin in a way that was not practiced by the Prophet and his companions. That is a refutation, direct refutation upon those who gather in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they start saying who, 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 who after turning the lights off and saying who, who, who. And then they dance in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as if they're in a lounge. Dancing in the houses of Allah. Some of them were doing headstands, spinning around, saying we're remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who, 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 astaghfirullah subhanallah, who, who, and so on. And they won't say la, they say la ilah, la ilah, la ilah, la ilah, illallah, 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 la ilah, la ilah, la ilah, hundred times, illallah. That is not what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the companions did. So know and understand my brothers, and sisters, that sifting out a bid'ah, noticing a bid'ah, is fairly easy. Put it on the criterion and the mizan of the what? The Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the companions. If they did it, then it's good for us. Then we can do it. If they did not do it, then we leave it off. If they did it, then we leave it off. The next narration by Abdullah ibn Mas'ud as well, radiallahu anhu. In praising the companions of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Man kana mustannan falyastanna biman qadmat. Whoever's going to take someone as an example, let him take as an example those that have preceded, those that have passed away. For verily the one that is alive is not free from falling into fitna. He said, Ulaika ashabu Muhammadin. These are the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These are 
the companions of, the, of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Kanu aftala hadihi al-ummah. They are the best of this ummah. Look at Abdullah ibn Mas'ud saying, they are the best of this ummah. Wa abarraha quluban. And the most righteous in terms of hearts. They have the most, most righteous hearts. وَأَعْمَقَهَا عِلْمًا And they have the deepest of knowledge. They are the most knowledgeable of companions. They are the most knowledgeable of the people. That's why we follow, as a side benefit, we follow their ijma'. And if they differed into two, spe- two opinions, then we can't invent a third one. We've got to choose one of these two. If they split into three opinions in any one mas'ala, even fiqh issues, then we have to follow one of these three issues. The one that we feel is closer to the, closest to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. But we can't invent a what? Fourth. Because if we invent a fourth, that means that they weren't upon the truth. Because we're saying that this is the stronger opinion, the fourth one. Like, and it means that these three opinions were weak and they were false. So the message that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, وَعَمَقَهَا عِلْمًا They had the most in-depth knowledge and the most knowledge. وَأَقَلَّهَا تَكَلُّفًا And they were the ones that it was natural to them implementing the sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, and being righteous and understanding the Qur'an of Allah and the sunnah of the Messenger. It was natural to them. It was second nature to them because they witnessed this with the Messenger وسلم, And the fifth one, اِخْتَارَهُمُ اللَّهُ لِصُحْبَةِ نَبِيِّهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose them to be the companions of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. they're chosen people. Do you think it's only the Anbiya that are chosen? La. Allah jalla wa ala chose them. Allah jalla wa ala chose them to be the companions of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that means there must be a virtue in them since Allah jalla wa ala chose them. Just like he chose Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Just like he chose Ibrahim and Musa and Nuh and Isa alayhi wa sallam. He chose these companions with one Allah ta'ala. He chose them to establish his religion. That's why he chose them. That's why he chose the companions of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he says, Know for them and acknowledge their virtue. And follow them in their in their guidance and their life follow them verily they they were upon clear guidance they were upon clear guidance so we have three narrations from the companions of the messenger making it wajib upon us to follow their guidance the last two Imam Al-Awza'i, who died 157, he was considered from the Salaf, rahmatullahi alayhi. He was a great Imam. He said, Isbir nafsaka ala sunnah. Be patient upon the sunnah. Waqif haythu waqaf al-qawm. And stand where the people have stood. Stop at where they stopped. Don't say anything that they did not say. Don't do anything that they did not do. Waqul bima qalu. And say that which they said. Say that which they said. And abstain from that which they abstained from. Waslook and take the sabil, the path of the salafi salih. 
and follow the guidance and the path of the righteous Salaf, meaning those that preceded us. Taib Imam Abu he died 157. Who were his Salaf? The companions of Ridwan Allah Ta'ala alayhim and the Tabi'un. They were his Salaf. So he's telling us to follow him. So we have to also follow. It's not only Imam Uzari, like in everyone that comes after Imam Uzari, until the end of this Ummah, until the end of the dunya, we have to follow the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Sahaba. For verily, what was enough for them is enough for you. What was enough for them is enough for you. طيب. And lastly, Imam Ahmad rahmatullahi alayhi, he said in his famous risala, Usul Sunnah, Usul Sunnah indana, the foundations of the Sunnah according to us are what? Atamasuku bima alayhi ashabu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Holding on to that which they were upon. Imam Ahmad said in the beginning of his risala, his book, Usul Sunnah, the foundations of the Sunnah according to us, according to Ahl Sunnah, are that which the Ashab of the Rasul, the companions were upon. Secondly, and following them in that. Holding on to what they were upon. And following them in this guidance. And leaving off bid'ah and innovations. That is. The Sunnah. That is the methodology of Ahlu Sunnah. That is the methodology of Asalafu Salih. That is the Manhaj as Salafi. The Quran of Allah, the Sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, upon the understanding of the companions of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the righteous predecessors. Tayyip. Now that we've looked, we've seen and come across the virtues of the Salaf, let's look at some of the foundations. Of the Salaf. And this is extremely important. Why? Because everything that has preceded the majority of Ahlul Bid'ah, they acknowledge as well. They say, We love Abu Bakr, we love Uthman, we love Ali, yet they rebel against the Hukam. We love Abu Bakr, we love Umar, we love Ali, yet they negate the names of Allah Jalla wa'ala, and the attributes of Allah. So this is. Kind of like the breaking point. This is the parting point. As the Arabs said, Everyone claims to be affiliated with Layla. Lakin Layla doesn't acknowledge this for anyone. طيب. These foundations are extremely important. And I've only mentioned these seven or eight because a lot of differing happens. Or a lot of differing comes from these seven or eight. However, the foundations of the religion are many. And at the very head of them, the pillars of Iman that came as comes in the hadith of Jibreel radiallahu anhu, where he said the foundations of Islam and the foundations of Iman and the pillars of Ihsan. So, re- li- li- listen to these and write these down and then have your mizan. Anyone that is upon this, then he is a Sunni. He is upon the Salafiyyah that the Messenger and the companions were upon. And anyone that is not upon these or that has misguidance is not upon the guidance of the Messenger. The very first 
foundation of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah is with regards to the Mustaru Talaqi, the source of evidence in. Where do the Salaf take their understanding from? Where do Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah take their understanding from? Where? Number one, the Quran of Allah, Jalla wa'ala. And the Sunnah of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, upon the understanding of the Salaf Salih, upon the understanding of the companions, and at the head of them, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Umar radiallahu anhu, Abu Uthman radiallahu anhu, Ali radiallahu anhu, Abdullah ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Abdullah ibn Umar, Bilal ibn Rabah, and so on. And the rest of the companions, may Allah have mercy upon every single one of them. And where do we see this? Where's the evidence? Allah Jalla wa'ala says, فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ If you differ in anything, شَيْءٍ in anything, it is a nakira in anything. Allah says what? فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهُ الْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ Return it back to what? Allah and His Messenger, if you believe in Allah in the last day. So we can differ over things, natural, normal. Lakin we have to refer it back to where? The Quran and the Sunnah. And whoever, uh, who's, uh, whatever contradicts the Quran and the Sunnah, we leave it off. Whatever is in agreement with the Quran and the Sunnah, we what? Implement it. So the very first place and point and foundation that Ahlul Sunnah differ with Ahlul Bid'ah is their point of evidence. So you will find Mathalan, these deviant groups that appeared into the Ummah, the Khawarij, Mathalan. They say we follow the Quran, sah? Tayyib. As for the Sunnah, they don't follow large parts of the Sunnah. Lakin, let's give it to them. Let's say they follow the Sunnah. Let's say they follow the Quran and the Sunnah. What about the third foundation? Do they follow this? Of course they don't. They fought them. They fought against them. They killed them. How can they follow them? You wouldn't kill a person who you're following. So that's where the Khawarij left, left the Aqeed of Ahlul Sunnah. If we look at the Mu'tazila, they appeared way after the death of the companions. They appeared in the time of Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah ta'ala. The time of Harun al-Rashid, they used to hide in the background, but they were too scared because Harun al-Rashid was righteous. Uh, he was knowledgeable himself. Like when he passed away, that's when they got there. Power. So they were what around almost two hundred after death of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. What do they do? They negate the names of Allah subhanahu wa taala. They negate the attributes of Allah subhanahu. They negate the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Not the names, not all of the names. They negate the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa taala. They don't affirm any of them. They believe that you can perform khuruj on the hukam. And by the way, them negating the names of Allah, they call it tawheed. <laughs> Them doing that, have they followed the Quran? La, they've negated the ayat. How many times do we hear Allah who was Samuel Alim, who was Rahman Rahim, who was How many times? Many verses, almost many verses, end telling us about the beautiful names of Allah and the beautiful attributes of Allah. So obviously they're not upon the haqq. Let's look at the Qadariyah. The ones that say, subhanallah, Allah doesn't know what's going to happen until it happens. Or those that say, we have control of everything that we do. 
Obviously, they're not upon the Quran and the Sunnah and upon the understanding of the Salaf. Let's look at the Asha'ira. Those Asha'ira who some of the people today say that the Aqeedah of the Muslims is three. The Asha'ira, the Matawidi, and the Hadith. Taib. Let's look at them. The Asha'ira, from their foundations, is they say, as we shall see, they give precedence to the Aql, to the intellect, over the Sharia, the Quran and the Sunnah. So if a hadith comes and they can't understand that they can't comprehend that hadith, they will say, leave it alone. Let's interpret it. Or let's say, tafweed, let's say we don't even know what that means. And I'm not making it up, it's in their books. On top of that, do you know that many of the scholars of the Asha'ira themselves, they repented. To the extent that they said, if only I was to die on the belief of the old women that live in Naysabur. And in a certain location, near Iraq and that, they say, basically they're saying, if only I was to leave off what I was doing for the whole of my life, and if only I was to die on the belief of these old women. They're on the fitra, their aqidah is normal. And some of them, like Razi and so on, towards the end of their life, they said what? وَلَمْ نَسْتَفِدْ مِنْ دُولِ بَحْثِنَا سِوَا أَنْ جَمَعْنَا قِيلَ وَقَالَ We did not benefit anything apart from us saying, or he said and she said. We've only combined hearsay. Nothing else, we haven't benefited. On top of that, Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu wa rahmatullah, Abu al-Hassan al-Ash'ari rahimahullah, he himself repented from this deviant belief. So is it common sense to say, can we say that they're upon the haqq? No, we can't. So this point of evidencing where we take, where we derive our aqidah from, is what specifies Ahl-Sunnah, what distinguishes them from everyone else. The Qur'an, the Sunnah, upon the what? The understanding of the Salaf. The second foundation and the usul that you can differentiate and what distinguishes Ahl-Sunnah from other than them is Al-Ihtimamu Bitasheeh Al-Aqeedati Ilman wa Amalan wa Ta'liman Giving great importance to rectifying the Aqeedah, the belief of this Ummah in learning it, in teaching it, in implementing it by giving importance to rectifying and correcting the Aqeedah of this Ummah Starting with the Tawheed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Calling to the Tawheed of Allah. Warning against a shirk. Associating partners of Allah jalla wa'ala. Because shirk, associating partners of Allah is the greatest sin. And it is the greatest oppression. Inna shirk la zulmun azim. Verily shirk is a great oppression. And teaching the people the Quran and the Sunnah. This is utmost. This is extremely important. And teaching them upon the understanding of the Salaf, upon the understanding of the companions, not upon the understanding of people that came after them, generations after them. How does this distinguish Ahlul Sunnah? Because Ahlul Sunnah, they give importance to knowledge. Lakin, if you look at all of the other deviant sects that we see, do they give importance to knowledge? No. Mathalan, Jama'at Tabliq. They don't give importance to knowledge. They don't give importance to teaching the aqidah of the Muslim, the correcting the aqidah, the tawheed al-uluhiyyah. Yes, they may call to tawheed al-rububiyyah. 
also you find them going from one location to another location from one place to another saying they're giving da'wah who's giving da'wah ignorant people are giving da'wah lakin as for ahl sunnah only those people are, that have knowledge can go out and give da'wah why because if you're ignorant what are you going to call the people to ignorance if we look at ikhwan muslimun they don't start with correcting the aqidah and correcting the tawheed of the Muslim and warning against shirk and warning against bid'ah. They start call to where? Let's rebel against the hukam. Let's rebel against the hukam. Let's get rid of these evil leaders. If we get rid of them, everything else will be good. So look at these two groups. They do not start off with rectifying the aqidah of the Muslims and teaching them. In this lesson, if we're studying Aqeedah, Aqeedah and Tawheed is something you can implement in your everyday lives. So how can I say now, would it be fair on you for all of you to come to this masjid every single week? And when you get here, I say, guys, let's go out for da'wah. Let's go to Blackburn and let's go to here and let's go to there and let's go to Bradford and let's go give da'wah. No, of course not. Yeah, teach me first. Is it common sense for me to say, guys, listen, the hukam, the kuffar. These leaders, wallahi kuffar. Muqtadun. They do this, they do that, they do that. What are you as shabab going to benefit? Huh? Nothing. Lakin if I teach you the tawheed of Allah, if the Sunni, the Salafi, if he teaches you the tawheed of Allah, if he tells you to warn against shirk, if he teaches you the sunnah, and he tells you to warn against bid'ah and teaches you what a bid'ah is, you're going to implement that. Let's say there's a hundred people here. These hundred people are going to implement it. But what are these hundred people going to do? They're going to learn and they're going to go and teach it to the ummah. They're going to each teach it to their families, to their students, to their colleagues and so on. And that is how the tugbi of the Muslims comes. That is how we can better ourselves as an ummah. Not by fighting one another and killing one another and rebelling against one another. La. By correcting our aqeedah. Just like the Prophet ﷺ did. Just like the Prophet ﷺ did. And that is the only way that this ummah can get out of the lowly state that it's in. And regain its honor. Regain the time where the Messenger ﷺ's enemies would flee from him a month in advance. They would flee from him. The time where Osama bin Zayd, at the tender age of 18 or 17, he would lead an army. Whereas our 17-year-olds and our other 40-year-olds are spending time on TikTok all day long. Tafihi, petty things. How can we get the ummah out of this? By teaching them Allah said, the Messenger said, the Salaf said, Tawheed of Allah calling to shir- uh, warning against shirk, calling to the sunnah, warning against the opposite of it, of bid'ah. That's the only way. The third foundation is When a hadith comes to us or a verse that we can't comprehend, we give precedence to what? The Quran and the hadith. We don't give according to our understanding. We can't say, La, what do you mean, Yani? Allah descends upon our heaven. 
lowest heaven and he's asking his servants, how does this happen? No, it's none of your business. Is it narrated in the Quran and the Sunnah? Yes, then believe it as it is. A man came to Malik ibn Anas, the Imam of Medina. And he said, Ya Malik, istawa? Ya Imam Malik, ha, what is stawa? How is stawa? How is stawa? Allah, well, we know what stawa, what rose upon the throne, above the throne means. What does it mean, he said to him? Imam Malik, after sweating, and he, yani, it was, uh, he was overwhelmed by the question. He said, Stiwa is known. How? As for how? Majhul. We don't know. Like to believe in it is wajib. Why is it wajib? Allah tells us in the Quran. How many verses? About seven verses Allah tells us. How are we going to deny the Quran? How can we say Allah says Ar-Rahmanu ala Arsh when we say La Ar-Rahmanu Ma'astawa ala Arsh? Do you know how severe that is? Allah tells us to pray and we say, Well, now we're not going to pray. Yeah, Allah has given us information, telling us. And we're saying La, it doesn't happen. And He said, Al-Imanu bihi wajib. Wal-Wasu'alu anhu bid'a. And asking about it is a bid'a. And that has remained the great principle from the principles of Ahlul Sunnah. So just because your intellect cannot comprehend something, do not say la, it's, we, can't, we have to deny it. And you may think this is crazy, lacking in our community, in our communities, there are people who are justifying groups that have this belief. The Asha'ira, there are individuals who say the Asha'ira are upon the haqq. And the aqeedah is of three. The aqeedah of the Muslims. طيب. How is my aqeedah as a Sunni Salafi, how can it come in with the person that denies the, belief, the names of attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's the fourth one. Or the third. Number four. Luzumul jama'ati wassam'u wa ta'a Holding on to the jama'ah and hearing and obeying. And to not rebel against the hukam that are Muslims. For as long as they are Muslims, to not rebel against them. This is clear as well. Because today, there are many people who declare the hukam to be kuffar and they rebel against them. Like in Ahlul Sunnah, they say, if the hakim is a Muslim, then you can't rebel against him. Due to many ahadith in the Sunnah, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, bayana ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi Many ahadith in Bukhari and Muslim saying the messenger telling us to hear and to obey. If the messenger is telling us to hear and to obey, who are you to tell us now? Don't hear and don't obey. Imagine the messenger standing in front of you and saying, Ya Muhammad, Ya Abdullah, Ya Ali, hear and obey. And then this individual, this innovator coming to you and saying, Ya Ali, Ya Muhammad, la, don't obey. Just because the Prophet is not alive today, it doesn't mean his words don't what? Apply to us. We have to hear this Quran as if Allah is, talk, rather Allah is talking to us as individuals. When the messenger is saying what he's saying, he's talking to us as individuals. He's not talking to Abu Bakr and Umar and Ali Usman, anhum alone. La, 
the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam is for this ummah so this is a great foundation that distinguishes ahlu sunnah from ahlu bid'ah طيب so if you see a person calling to rebellion against the hukam then he's obviously not a a salafi he is taking himself out no one else has taken him out from ahlu sunnah also number 5 ithbatu asma'illahi subhanahu wa ta'ala wa sifatihi affirming the names of allah jalla wa ala and the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala affirming the names of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you do get the questions then yeah affirming the names of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala min ghayri tahrifin without distorting it wala ta'tilin and without negating it wala takyif and without giving it a how this is how it happens and this is how it happens without giving it a how wala tamthilin and without saying it happens like that or this is this is the same as this why allah says laysa kamithlihi shay there is none like unto him طيب and this is also that with these found those found from those foundations that distinguish ahlu sunnah from other than ahlu sunnah here we have the prophet here we have allah jalla wa ala teaching us about allah we worship allah because we know allah jalla wa ala allah is teaching us who he is his beautiful names his beautiful attributes so when you hear ar rahman is merciful what are you going to do you're going to search for the mercy of allah right you're going to search for the mercy of allah you're going to make dua that allah has mercy upon you when you hear that allah jalla wa ala gets angry at the person who disobeys him what are you going to do refrain from disobeying allah like what if we say la that's not anger it means allah will take revenge anger is wadih so we affirm for allah what he is affirmed to himself طيب how does this distinguish ahlu sunnah look at the aqidah of the this uh, the 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 the, the, the ahlul bid'ah the ash'ariyah the maturidiyah the mu'tazila do they affirm for allah his beautiful names and attributes no then how can they be from ahlu sunnah ya akhi they they denying the quran and the sunnah they interpret it in a way that the companions did not interpret it how can they be from ahlu sunnah also number 6 al ibtiadu an al bid'ah wa tahdhir min ahli al bid'ah wa al ibtiad an al jama'at the 8th one or the 6th one is refraining and staying away and far far from bid'ah innovations and being warned against and warning and staying against, away from those people who are who are upon innovations and staying away from deviant groups and parties The messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam said man sallallahu alaihi wasallam man ahdatha fi amrina hadha ma laysa minhu fa huwa rad whoever invents into this affair of ours that which is from it then it is rejected What does that mean that whoever invents what what is that called a bid'a whoever invents a bid'a into this affair of us into our religion that which is not from it then it is rejected from him مثلا the celebrating of the birthday of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was it in the affair was it part of the affair of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam la so inventing it and celebrating it is what a bid'ah 
Messenger said, whoever, whoever does an action that is not from our actions, then it is rejected. How can we say we're going to celebrate the birthday? Or it's okay to celebrate. Or great scholars celebrated. That's not a proof. Great scholars celebrated. How is that even a proof? Of course it's not a proof. The evidence is in the what? Goes back to the very first asal. The very first asal. The Quran, the sunnah upon the understanding of the sahaba. The birth, the mawlid, the birth of the Prophet was in, invented after the 4th century or the 5th century. If we say the 5th century, it was actually invented by the Fatimiyun, the Shia. How can we follow the hadith of the Shia? Huh? The hadith of those people who insult the companions of the Messenger And then we call it a bid'ah, a sunnah. And this hadith is a very important hadith. When you're studying Agbi'in and Nawawi, it comes to hadith number one, five. And I encourage you, Shia Shabab, to study this great book. And when you come across this great hadith, a person who is upon the aqidah of the salafus salih, upon the correct aqidah, will teach you what a bid'ah is. They will teach you the definition of a bid'ah. They will teach you to stay away from the bid'ah and the dangers of a bid'ah. And they will teach you what? The types of bid'ah. So when you come out of that lesson, that this Salafi Shaykh or this Salafi student of knowledge is teaching, you're going to know what a bid'ah is, you're going to know how dangerous it is, you're going to know how dispraiseworthy it is in the Sharia, and you're going to know its different types. Like in sometimes you hear people explaining this great book and coming across this great hadith, which is from the foundations of the Sunnah. And wallahi, after listening for almost an hour, you will come out not knowing what a bid'ah is. You think, Daib, what is a bid'ah? They're more busy in justifying a bid'ah. They're busy in defending these deviant groups. So the young shabab, like yourselves, will sit for an hour and you will think, Wallahi, yeah, I've studied Hadith Aisha, I've studied Agbi'in and Nawawi. But in reality, you haven't. You've only studied the different groups and how they're okay and the fact that the aqeedah of the Muslims, just like the, uh, the madhabs of the Muslims are for, the Hanafiya, the Malikiya, the Shafi'iya and the Hanabila, just like that, then their schools of thought in aqeedah, in theology, in belief is also three. The, the, the Asha'ira, Ahlul Hadith and the Maturudiyya. Wallahi, that is batil. The one that affirms the names of Allah, is he on the same belief as the one that negates them? Hal yastawun la, of course. Not. They can't be equal. They can't be upon they can't both be upon the correct methodology. So you have to choose. Either the Asha'ira are upon the Haq who negate the names of Allah and uh, negate the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do ta'wil interpret it, either they're upon the Haq or the Salafu Salihah upon the Haq who affirm the names of Allah and the attributes of Allah Jalla wa'ala as mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. And also you will find that it's important to stay away from these people. The Salaf, Ya Ikhwani, the Salaf, they used to say, from the greatest blessings of Allah Jalla wa'ala upon a young shab, upon a young person, is that he guides him to a alim from the ulama of the sunnah. Someone who's going to teach him, or a student of knowledge, or a shaykh, that is going to teach him the aqidah of the Salaf al-Salih. That is extremely dangerous. 
that a person f- is studying under a person that isn't teaching them saqida. A student will absorb the belief of his what? Teacher, no matter what. Bi'idhnillah, inshallah, after this lecture, you will think, wallahi, the companions were great. Why? Because all night we've been reading verses and ahadith and narrations showing and pointing towards the greatness of these companions. Why? Because I've been saying this. So if you're studying under a person who is close to these groups of innovation, then know that one day you will be affected by that. These people that are now in ISIS, fighting the Muslims, burning the Muslims alive, they're youngsters just like you. Some of them left our community. Do you think they came down from the Samat? Do you think they came down from the heavens? No, they're youngsters just like us. They're shabab just like yourselves. What made them go to? Did they wake up all of a sudden after playing a game of football and say, oh, you know, I'm going to go to Syria. I'm going to go fight in Syria. Did they wake up like that? La. They were misguided by deviant individuals who taught them to mus- declare Muslims to be kuffar, to spill the blood of the Muslims, to spill the blood of innocent people, regardless whether they're Muslims or non-Muslims. So they learned this from their teachers. It is a normal process. It is a process of life. You learn under your teacher and you implement the teachings of your teacher. How can you be... So when you're teaching, when you're learning, you have to implement the advice of the Salaf. Verily, this knowledge is your religion. So be careful who you're taking your religion from. I'm sure for a fact that before you buy a car, you're going to look around, you're going to shop around. You're going to take a mechanic with you. You're going to say, I want to buy this car, check it out for me. Forget about a car. When you're going to a barber, you're going to go to a good barber, right? You're not going to go to any Smith Harry around the road, are you? You're going to go to a good one. Wallahi, it's more important that you preserve and you look after your religion more than preserving your hair. If you go to a bad, bad barber, wallahi, the worst is he can give you a, a bad haircut. But you can still put a hat on. But if you study under someone with a bad aqidah, wallahi, it can lead you to the fire. It could lead you to the people who will be thrown away from drinking from the fountain, the hold of the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Shabab, it is not a laughing matter. It is a serious issue. Your aqidah is your deen. Your deen is your aqidah. The ilm that you're learning is your deen. And whatever you learn now, you're going to grow up upon. Some of the salaf, Ahlul Bid'ah would come to them and say, let me debate with you. They would put their fingers in their ears. These are great imams from the sunnah. And they say, yeah, just one ayah. And they would say, la wala nisfu ayah. Not even a half a verse. And when he was asked, why? Because he said, maybe that shubha, that doubt that he's saying, it may find a place in my heart. It may find a place in your heart. So be careful of who you study under. If you study under people with bad aqidah, then know that that aqidah will come onto you. The last, one, the, uh, the last uh, uh, that we're going to mention, the last foundation is al-jam'u bayn al-nusus. Wa ma tashabah minha ila al-muhkam. 
combining between the evidences. Taking Islam as a whole. Look at all of the evidences from the Quran and the Sunnah as one. Why? Because the Quran and the Sunnah, they do not contradict one another. In the Quran, you will find, and in the Sunnah, you will find verses that call certain people, certain actions to be kufr, to be disbelief. So if you take one hadith that says whoever does this is a kafir, you're going to start to, and without leaving, with leaving all of the other evidences, then you're going to call people kufar unjustly. So making sure you understand the sharia as a whole. So one may say, yeah, but I'm a beginner student of knowledge. How can I, I understand the whole sharia? Of course you can't understand the whole sharia at the beginning. Like in that's where the previous point comes in, which was what? Studying under a person upon the aqeed of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Some people, when they're justifying a bid'ah, they will argue and they will say, have you read the whole of Bukhari? Have you had read the whole of Muslim? Have you heard, uh, read Abu Sun, uh, Sunan Abi Dawood, Sunan Tirmidhi, Ibn Majah, Sunan Ibn Majah, Nasai, Musannaf, Kada, Kada? Have you read all of these? Then Uskut. It's true, be quiet. Lakin, that is a way of justifying their bid'ah. That is a way of justifying a bid'ah. The question should be is this from the Sunnah of the Messenger? If yes, then give me evidence. If you give me evidence, Alhamdulillah, for wa ni'mah, I take it. If it's not, then obviously I can't implement it. These are just some of the foundations, some of the things that distinguish Ahlul Sunnah from other than Ahlul Sunnah. And they say, The intelligent person is the one that understands when you point towards something. Put these on a mizan. Anyone that you come across that is upon this, then he is a person upon khayr and goodness, inshallah. Anyone that contradicts this, then he's a person who has contradicted the methodology of the salaf. Personalities shouldn't matter to you. Leave off personalities. The last point, and I've prolonged it, like in inshallah is half term, so you can bear with me a bit, because this is extremely impo- an extremely important topic. طيب. There's masail mulhaqa bil There's some issues that are connected to this mawdu'. First and foremost, man huwa salafi? Who is the salafi? Who is the Salafi? Who can tell me who the Salafi is? Is it the person that resides in Saudi Arabia? Is it the one that resides in the UK, in a certain city, a certain place? Is it the person that attends a certain class? I ask you, who's a Salafi? That is the Salafi. The person upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih. Upon these foundations that we've just mentioned and more. That is who the Salafi is. You don't have to wear certain clothing. You don't have to go to certain classes. You don't have to go to certain conferences. You don't have to declare certain, don't have to declare certain sheikhs to be mubtadi' Whereby if you don't say he's an innovator then you're out of the Sunnah. La, 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 la. Best. And practicing Islam is very easy, wallahi. Best the Quran, the Sunnah, upon the understanding of the Salaf. I can't be expect. I can't expect you to know every Sheikh that has fallen into an error. 
Sometimes some people, they will say, if you listen to a certain person, you're a mubtadi'. Yeah, this person may not even know who this person is, who's a mubtadi' or not. A Salafi is what? The person on the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf. Tayyip. The next mas'ala, is it a bid'ah to say I am a Salafi? Is it a bid'ah to say I am a Salafi or is it wajib? Number one, it is not a bid'ah. Because you saying I am a Salafi is the same as you saying I am a Sunni. It is the same as you saying I am a Muslim. There's no difference. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he says, لَا عَيْبَ عَلَى مَنْ أَظْهَرَ مَذْهَبَ السَّلَفِ وَانْتَسَبَ إِلَيْهِ There is no aim and no shame upon the person who portrays, يعني, makes ظاهر clear, apparent, the madhab of the methodology of the Salaf and who affiliates himself to this, to this methodology. وَاعْتَزَ إِلَيْهَا And he feels proud to be upon it. Rather, بَلْ يَجِبُ قَبُولُ ذَلِكَ مِنْهُ Rather, it is wajib to accept that from him. بِالِاتِّفَاقِ in consensus among the scholars. Why? فَإِنَّ مَذْهَبَ salaf, The methodology of the Salaf لَا يَكُونُ إِلَّا حَقَّ it is, never, it is never other than حق. It is only حق. Everything in the foundation, the Mahdi, the guidance of the Salaf is حق. Therefore, if a person says, I am a Salafi, then it is not a bid'ah. It is as if he's saying, I am a Sunni, I am a Mubtadi'ah. Someone may say, Ya Akhi, in that case, then why don't you just say, I'm a Muslim? We say, yeah, it's true. Okay, we say you're Muslim. But are you a Shi'i Muslim or a Sunni Muslim? Because Shi'a say they're Muslims. Sunnis say they're Muslims. So which one Muslim? You say, la, 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 not upon the Shi'a. They say, I'm upon the Quran and the Sunnah. Everyone says, the one that's blowing you up is saying he's on the Quran and the Sunnah. The one that's strapping himself from going into a shopping center and killing innocent people, he also says he's on the Quran and the Sunnah. Is he upon the truth? La. Then he says, la, 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 I'm upon the Quran and the Sunnah. How Abu Bakr and Umar Uthman said that? I understood it. Then you say, give yourself a shortcut and say, I'm a Salafi. Like Imam Malbani, he had a debate with someone exactly the way I've narrated it now. By you saying, I'm a Salafi, you're saying, I follow the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Sahaba. Nothing more, nothing less. As for the second point, is it wajib? No, it's not wajib. No, it is not wajib to say I'm a Salafi, Salafi, Salafi. Every half an hour say I'm a Salafi, Salafi, Salafi. La, la. It is not wajib. Even to put it on your WhatsApp status and to put it on Twitter and everyone, Salafi, they said, la, it's not wajib. There's nothing wrong with it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful affiliation. It is the truth. But if you don't use it, it's not something that is haram. That you've not, you've not left off something which is wajib. Lacking what is important here is what? that the person actually implements the methodology of the Salaf. Remember in the Aqidah class, we were saying it's not wajib that everybody knows that Tawheed is of three types, Tawheed al-Uluhiyah, Tawheed al-Ghububiyah, and Tawheed al-Asma'u al-Sifat. It's not wajib that every Muslim knows this. If we ask our parents, and we say Tawheed is three types, they might think we're talking about three different gods or three different religions. But when you speak to them, and they're making dua, and they're praying, they believe in Allah alone. They know that Allah is the one that provides. So they affirm Tawheed al They know that they only pray to Allah. So when they're making dua, when they're praying, they only do it for who? For Allah alone. And when they're making dua, Ya Rahman, Ya Hamni, Ya Ghafar, Ya Ghafar, Ya and so on. They, when they're making dua, they use and they implement and they affirm the beautiful names and attributes of Allah. Khalas. They've implemented Tawheed. Likewise, if a person 
doesn't use it, then it's not the end of the world. Lakin, lakin, if a, pers- a person has to implement that belief, he has to hold that belief for him to be considered to be upon uh, Ahlul Sunnah. Some of the people of Ahlul Bid'ah today, they say when degrading the Salafis and Ahlul Sunnah, they say they're Jamiyah. And they say they're Madakhila. They say they're Jamiyah and they're Madakhila. Is this something that exists? No, Jamiyah doesn't exist. There's not a group called Jamiyah. Yes, there's an imam, a great imam, a alim, a scholar that used to teach in the Prophet's masjid. They used to teach in the Islamic University of Medina who was Abu Ali radiallahu anhu, Muhammad ibn Aman al-Jami, rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'ah. He was a alim and a scholar. And he was shadeed ala ahl bid'ah. He was stern and harsh towards the people of innovation to the extent that they attacked him in the masjid when he came to Riyadh. They attacked him. And he passed away in the 90s. May Allah Jalla wa'ala have mercy upon him. May Allah make his grave a garden from the gardens of paradise. Like, and they hated him. Why? Because he was one of the first to expose them. So that's who they mean by Jamia. But there's no group called Jamia. As for Madakhila, they mean, or they're referring to a Shaykh Rabi' ibn Hadi al-Madkhili, Hafidahullah ta'ala, who is an alim from the ulama of the sunnah, an imam from the imams of the sunnah. A person who defended the sunnah and defends the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he spreads the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he spreads the manager of the salaf, and he refutes Ahlul Bid'ah. This is where they hate him. Him refuting Ahlul Bid'ah. So, when they're saying Madakila or Jamia, they're referring to these two great imams. And whenever Fawzan or Luhaydan, rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'ah, Whenever they're asked about these imams and other imams, they always praise them. Fawzan says, Wallahi Jami, man, we don't know anything but khayr from him. He was our brother and he studied with us and he was a person upon aqeedah. He was sincere to the shabab and so on. So these two great imams, in order to refute the fact that in order to take people away from them, they call them madakhila and jamia. Lakin, this is nothing new. Because from the signs of Ahlul Bid'ah is Al-Waqi'atu fi Ahlul Athar. From the signs of Ahlul Bid'ah is that they insult the people of the Haqq. And this was something which is normal in their history. طيب. The next issue, which is very important, is is the manhaj of the Salaf, the madhab of the Salaf, is it in, in line or is, does it contradict or is it the equal of, is it equal to these four madhabs that we know? So for example, can we say that the manhaj of Salafi is on one side? So you're either Salafi or you're either Shafi'i, Hanbali, Hanafi or Maliki. Can we say that? The answer is no. Because this manhaj of a Salafi is referring, uh, 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 pertaining to the aqeedah, the belief of the Muslims, which is one, which is united, which is one. As for these four schools of thought, they are in fiqh, Islamic jurisprudence, as-salah, as-siyam, al-hajj, zakah, and so on. So they differed in some of these issues, and it doesn't mean they're completely different. In many issues, they're exactly on the same opinion. But they are understanding of the understanding of the Quran and the Sunnah in terms of fiqh and jurisprudence. Like in they were all 
scholars of the Salaf. They were all great Imams of the Salaf. So you can be a Salafi and a Hanafi. A Salafi and a uh, Shafi'i. A Salafi and a Maliki. A Salafi and a Hanbali. It does, they don't contradict one another. طيب. But you cannot be what? A Salafi and a Ash'ari. Impossible. It's like saying I'm hot and cold at the same time. It's like saying it's day and night at the same time. Impossible. You're either Ash'ari or you're either Salafi. You can't say I'm Mu'tazili or Maturudi or Ikhwani or Tablighi and I'm Salafi. Like it's not, it's, they, they, that's Tanaqud. There's contradiction in that. Because these two, they contradict one another. Whereas the manager of the Salafi doesn't contradict these two four Imams. So in fiqh, the schools of thoughts are how many? Four. In aqidah, how many? How many different aqidahs do the Muslims have? One. Wallahi one. Ya akhi, imagine if all three were three or four or five different aqidahs. Impossible. In that case, we should have just had four or five different messengers. Why did we have one messenger? Why did we have one Qur'an? And why did we have companions who understood it in the same way if we're going to be allowed to implement it how we want? طيب. The next masala is a Salafiyya, is a Hizb like the other Hizbis? Is it a party like all of the other parties? لا. The answer is لا. The Salafiyya is not a Hizb. You don't have to go to a certain location. You don't have to give bay'ah, allegiance to a certain group in order to be a Salafi. Just say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadun Rasulullah, believe in the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of Abu Bakr, Umar, Ali, Uthman, and uh, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali, radiallahu anhu, and the rest of the companions, and you're a Salafi. You can be in any part of the world. You can be in Africa, you can be in the Americas, you can be in Asia, you can be in Europe, anywhere. As long as you believe in the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf, that's you. You're alhamdulillah. You're a Salafi. It is not a Hizb. It is, and Salafi is not connected to a certain Shaykh. Yes, truth be told, there are some people who are Salafis that have made Salafiyyah tight. Yani, that which they're upon only or that which their Shaykh is upon. And when it comes to the rulings of Jaghu Ta'adil, they say only three or four can be taken. And they say they are the most knowledgeable in this science and so on. La. The scholars of Ahlul Sunnah are many. We can't connect Salafiyya to Imam al-Bani, the great muhaddith. We can't connect a Salafiyya to Imam Ibn Baz, Imam al-Dunya, rahmatullahi We can't connect the madhab of the Salaf to Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah, the faqih of this ummah in the contemporary era. We cannot compare and we cannot associate Ta'wah Salafiyyah and say it is something that Imam Muqbil came up with or something that Sheikh Fawzan is upon only and no one else. La. These great Imams, they were Imams of a Da'wah Salafiyyah. But they are not Da'wah Salafiyyah because Da'wah Salafiyyah is the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf. And when you go to great scholars and you listen to their lessons and their lectures and their books, when you read their books, this is what you find. They're telling you, don't blind follow me. 
During the time of these great Imams, there was no Hizbiya in the Salafi ranks. This only appeared in the last 18 years, whereby people say, if you follow my Shaykh, then you're upon Haqq. If not, then you're upon Batil. It was not known during the time of Ibn Baz, Ibn Uthaymin al-Albani, where a person would ask, can I get married to someone that doesn't make tabdi' of fulan fulan, this individual? La, 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 this wasn't known. Why? Because ignorant people never used to talk during those eras. During those times, ignorant people never used to talk. Everything was taken back to the great imams of our time. So Salafiyya is not a hizb. If you see people proclaiming Salafiyya and they contradict Salafiyya, don't think I'm going to throw Salafiyya away. La, la, Salafiyya is yours for the taking. On TV, do you not see that Muslims get called terrorists every single day? Are you going to say Muslims are terrorists? Wallah, I'm not going to be a Muslim. La. If you see people misinterpreting Da'wah Salafiyyah, don't think I'm going to leave Da'wah Salafiyyah. La. You are Salafi where you are. You don't have to come to this lesson or any other lesson to prove your Salafiyyah. You just have to be upon La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah upon the understanding of the Sahaba of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Salaf Salih. That and only that, and only that, is what makes you a Salafi. Not going to certain lectures and so on. Does not take you out of Salafiyyah. And I say this and I reiterate. Why? Because many of the Shabab, they're being confused. They're being boycotted. A lot of them have left off, leave, left off practicing the religion of Islam. I'm confused, man. They say to me, you can't go there, you can't go here, you can't go here. They spy on me, my, you know. It's not, a ca- it's not an army camp out here, over here. It's the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The religion of Allah is merciful. Wallahi, a, a tabliqi can come here. A mu'tazili can come here. A nash'ari can come here. If he wants to study the aqeedah of the salaf al-salih. We, we want him to leave his madhab. We want to teach him. Ahlul sunnah want to teach the people the khayr. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said what? Ahlul sunnah a'lamun nas bil haqq. Ahlul Sunnah are the most knowledgeable of people when it comes to the Haqq. And they are the most merciful to the people. We have not sent you except a mercy to mankind. Look at the mercy that the Prophet used to have upon his companions and the Ummah. How can we be harsh towards people that want to learn? How can we be harsh towards Shabab? How can we boycott them? This young person that you're saying he can't marry Um Fulana, he can't marry her? Why? Because he attends certain classes. Billahi alayk. How is it common sense? Where will you find a condition that anyone that attends Masjid al Nawawi can't marry someone else that, marry, that attends different classes, that is upon different Salafiyyah? La. The Salafiyyah is one the Quran, the Sunnah, upon the understanding of the Salaf al Salih. This is what the this is what we've learned upon from the scholars. This is what the scholars give da'wah to and they call to. And they are many. I can't name all of these scholars. They're many. The scholars of Riyadh, the scholars of Medina, the scholars of Hijaz in general, the scholars of Yemen, the scholars of Jordan, the scholars of Somalia. They're many, the scholars of Algeria, the scholars of Egypt. Ahlul Sunnah are everywhere. Because you don't have to wear certain clothes. You know, in the mafia, you had to wear certain colors and then if you were caught in the, cert- in the wrong area, they would kill you, as was practiced in America in the 60s. This is not it. La. It's not about getting caught in the wrong neighborhood wearing the wrong colors. 
the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf. The next masala, is it correct to imtihan, do imtihan and ask people, what's your opinion on certain shaykh? What's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, but this shaykh, he was made tabdi' of, and what's your opinion on him? La, Sheikh Abdul Mahsan Abad says this is a bid'ah. Sheikh Fawzan warns against that, and many of the scholars of Ahlul Sunnah, they warn against that. They teach the shabab, ya akhi, learn. They tell the shabab to learn. Learn the Quran and the Sunnah. Benefit yourselves. Get yourself out of ignorance. Get the ummah out of ignorance. The children that are sitting here now, مثلاً, that small child that is about eight or nine years old, you're going to be their teachers soon. You're going to be the teachers of the ummah. You're going to be tomorrow's scholars. If every one of you calls on to his party, how many parties are we going to split into? Yes, Shabab, if you don't learn now, who's going to teach that young girl the Quran tomorrow when she's in Madrasa? Who's going to teach her the Aqidah of the Salaf al-Salih? If you guys are differing and bickering and fighting amongst who said this and who said that and on whose page did they say this and this and that, just know this is not something that is known amongst the, sal- the scholars of the Sunnah. And I'm not talking about the 30-year-olds, the 40-year-olds, the 50-year-olds, the 60-year-olds, la, la, la. Not even the 70-year-olds. I'm talking about those that have passed the age of 80. They're the ones that we should implement this, their guidance. They're the ones that we should refer to. And wallahi, this is not a madhab that they implement. Tayyip. Also, that contradicts saying that you have to follow. Because sometimes what happens is... A certain young group of shabab want to work with a certain other group. And they say to them, right, if you want to work with us, we have to be in your committee, in your masjid. And you have to take the rulings and the ahkam of Sheikh Fulan, this specific Sheikh. Whoever he refutes, you refute. Whoever he says is a mubtada', you have to say he's a mubtada'. That's batil. That goes against the statement of Imam Malik. Every individual statement is taken and it is rejected, obviously based upon taken upon the haqq and rejected upon the haqq, except for the person in that grave, meaning the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And listen to this beautiful narration by Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, this great Imam. وَلَيْسَ لِأَحَدٍ أَنْ يَنْصِبَ لِلْأُمَّةِ شَخْصًا يَدْعُ إِلَىٰ طَرِيقَتِهِ وَيُوَالِ وَيُعَادِ عَلَيْهَا غَيْرَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ And it is not for anyone to put someone as a monument, as a sign, as a pillar for the ummah. He calls to his path and he gives love and allegiance based upon that. So if I say to you now, our Sheikh, Sheikh Salih al-Fawzan, Anyone that loves Sheikh Fawzan, I love. Anyone that hates him, I hate. And you all have to follow Sheikh Fawzan's ahkam in, on certain people and so on. Even though he's a great imam, but he's not pleased with that. He will refute you for that. So that is not permissible. Other than the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we love and we hate according to the wala' wal barat that Islam has put, of, put up to us. The teachings of the sunnah of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَلَا يَنْصِبُ لَهُمْ كَلَامًا يُوَالِ عَلَيْهُ وَيُعَادِ غَيْرَ كَلَامِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ And we can't put certain person's statements as a criterion for who's upon the haqq and who's not. And the rest of 
this beautiful narration by this imam. طيب. The last point that I want to mention, how does a person leave Salafiyya? Before that, I should ask, how does a person enter into Salafiyya? Who knows? How does a person come into Salafiyya? How does a person be upon the manager of the Salaf? How does a person become a Salafi? That's how you enter it. You don't need to go to a certain location. You don't need to give bay'ah to a certain person. You don't need to wear certain colors. You don't need to go to a certain masjid. La. You say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah. And you implement the kitab of Allah, the sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, upon the understanding of the Salaf al-Salih. Then you are a Salafi, a Sunni. But that's not the same for the Tabliqis. You've got to go do Dawaf around them. You've got to go around with them. Then you'll be a Tabliqi. As for Ikhwan Muslimin, you've got to give bay'ah to them, allegiance. And they've got certain, a certain pyramid order, Amir and the second Amir and so on. As for the Khawarij, forget that. You need to blow yourself up to be amongst them. As for the Asha'ira, to be amongst them, to be from them, you have to negate the names and attributes of Allah. So for those people, you have to go out of your way to be part of them. But as for Ahlul Sunnah, you don't go out of your way. La ilaha illallah, the tongue is so easy. La ilaha illallah, Muhammadun Rasulullah. Believe in the Quran and the Sunnah upon the understanding of the Salaf and you are a Salafi. How does a person leave this? By contradicting, by opposing a foundation from the foundations of the Sunnah. A foundation from the foundations of the Sunnah. For example, those foundations that we witnessed now, that we studied. Whether it's partially, juz'iyat, uh, or whether it's kulli, whether it's complete. For example, saying that it's permissible to rebel against the hukam. You've opposed a foundation from the foundations of the Sunnah. To negate the names of Allah Jalla wa'ala, you've opposed a foundation from the foundations of Allah, uh, of the Sunnah. Also to say, for example, if a certain hadith contradicts a certain belief, then we give precedence to what? To our aql. Because we can comprehend. But as for these people, they died hundreds and hundreds and thousands, thousands plus years ago. Maybe some of them made a mistake and they didn't make a mistake. And they divide the sunnah into ahad and mutawatir. Inshallah, we'll see that in al-mustal hadith. Ahad, mutawatir. And they say anything that is ahad, meaning having one chain of narration, then we can't take. طيب. I will leave on that note, inshallah. I will end the lecture on that point, inshallah. Like, and it's a very important topic that you all need to listen to, not only here, but everywhere else. And inshallah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give, make us firm upon the sunnah of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa